praise the Lord, mightiest well, prophet well, of the uh, Lord. Well, it's uh, a blessed day. Exactly half past one o'clock. What a blessing to come to you, uh, beloved people. Before you go back to your offices, uh, we have been having a long conversation on the person of the Holy Spirit, the visitation of the Holy Spirit in the church, and I thought uh, we could take this opportunity to advance our conversation regarding the Holy Spirit. Yesterday we had a serious talk at lunch hour regarding the role of the Holy Spirit, the many things he's doing in the church, and what came out yesterday was that the Holy Spirit is essentially, actually, the most important gift that the church received, because we saw yesterday that uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that uh, uh, fundamentally brought Christ Jesus, and uh, he incarnated him, that he may come in bodily form. And after bringing Christ Jesus into this world, then it is he, the Holy Spirit still, that now um, got involved in empowering the ministry of the Messiah when he landed on him, descended on him, and uh, that was at the Jordan River during baptism. And in that uh, visitation, he actually identified and revealed, he revealed Christ the Messiah to the whole earth and to the heavens. He revealed him, said, this is the chosen one of the Lord. And after bringing him, now at baptism, he reveals him to the universe, to the whole earth, and to the hosts of heaven, that this is the chosen one of the Lord. And then after that, we saw very clearly that uh, the Holy Spirit then empowered him, Christ Jesus the Messiah, to do his public ministry here on the earth. And when he did his public ministry on the earth, the, the, the creepers walked, the blind saw, the deaf heard, the mute spoke, paralytics what got up, leprosy was healed, dead, the dead were resurrected. And then at the end of it, uh, it's the Holy Spirit again in the Garden of Gethsemane that uh, strengthened him, in fact strengthened him right from uh, the conversation that took place uh, on the mountain of Transfiguration when he was told uh, by the two witnesses to go and finish the work. So now go and finish the work that the way to eternity and his safety has been secured. And so when he went again to the Garden of Gethsemane, it is the same Holy Spirit that empowered him and enabled him to overcome, to travail and overcome. And the Holy Spirit took him to the cross and crucified him. Because you heard the Lord Jesus himself say that I myself surrendered, yes, that he surrendered himself essentially to those who crucified him. That was the will of the Holy Spirit. And it is he, the same Holy Spirit, that removed him from death, resurrected him. And I remember the time when God the Father took me and showed me the entire cascade, how Christ the Messiah was tortured, how he was abused and crucified on the cross. I saw everything. He showed me everything, how he was crucified and suffered a 
then when he died and went down, so the Father took me down also, so I saw when Christ went down. And then I also saw the moment when the glory, the Holy Spirit came down and resurrected him, and the glory hit that was shock, and he went up in victory. So it is the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit again, that resurrected the Messiah, and then the same Holy Spirit came in the cloud of God and raptured the Messiah into heaven. And now he has been sent to the church. He has been sent to the church. And so what came out essentially yesterday in that conversation and today now is that the Holy Spirit is the biggest ever gift that was the biggest gift that was ever given to the church. And now he's available in the church. And at the moment, the Holy Spirit is involved in preparing the church. Today I want to continue this conversation with, look, with looking at his role in the church because he is the one preparing the glorious bride for the coming of the Messiah. And we see in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 26, that when the counselor, the Lord Jesus is saying, he's speaking now, when the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So this is the promise the Messiah was giving the church before his departure, that uh, he will send the Spirit of truth. And this Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, will come from the Father and bring the truth. And so you see, beloved people, that uh, right there you see the mission and the role, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church, and what he is doing in the church today. And this raises a lot of questions about the body of Christ that you see globally. Because he says that when the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, from my Father, the Spirit of truth, who will who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, meaning that uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which I'm looking at today, the work, the role of the Holy Spirit, is essentially to come and testify about Christ. In other words, to reveal Christ, the Messiah, more and more and more to the church. And one of the things that he does reveal about Christ the Messiah more and more and more to the church is the fact that Christ the Messiah is the Lord. That's number one. So that all people may now submit to the Lordship of Christ the Messiah. And then number two, he also reveals that Christ the Messiah is holy. And again, now you see, so Number one, that he is Lord. Submit to his Lordship. Number two, he is holy. So be holy if you are in Christ Jesus. And that's why I say, I said it raises a lot of questions about the current body of Christ as to whether they have received the Holy Spirit. Because apart from revealing him as Lord and Savior, and that we should submit to the Lordship of Christ the Messiah, he also reveals him as holy. The Holy God 
of the Trinity. He is one of the members of triunity of the Godhead. And if he is holy, all those that worship him must be holy. And then, again, in the process then of revealing this, I'm reading on from the book of John, John 16, verse 13 now, and he says here, I begin from 12, I have much more to say to you. Again, John chapter 16, verse 13. I'm reading from 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So that is very powerful. He's saying that the spirit of truth will come. So number three, as he reveals the holiness of the Messiah, he also comes to clean out the deception in the church. Because he brings the truth then, that the truth sets the church free from deception. So you can tell that he comes in John chapter 16, verse 13, to remove deception. The Lord knew that at this hour there would be a lot of deception in the church and globally. So that, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to bring the truth and to slay deception. In other words, also to bring down the, the deceivers, the, the liars in the church and globally. It's a very powerful thing. And he's also saying here, very powerfully, that he will guide you. So he gives guidance. You see that now. And then he, does not speak, he only speaks of what he hears. So he connects the church to heaven. What he hears in the kingdom, he translates, he brings to the church. And then, of course, he talks about the future also. He will tell you what is yet to come, meaning he will reveal to you the coming of the Messiah. He will reveal to you the things that are coming, beloved people. So this is a powerful power in the church. He is the one that was sent to help the church. And if you look at the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, I get there. Galatians chapter 5, beloved people. Galatians chapter 5 is right here. Verse 16. Look at this now. Galatians chapter 5, 16, I'm reading. I say, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Very powerful. Meaning, the fourth role of the Holy Spirit is essentially to do on a daily basis, step by step, walking with the Christian, to guide the Christian walk, to guide the Christian walk. So I say, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh, of the sinful nature. That is very powerful. He actually comes to save out the church. In so doing, to separate out the church from the sinful desires of the world, the sinful desires of the flesh. And I said yesterday that he has a convicting role, that when he comes to the world, he convicts the world on righteousness, on judgment, on the kingdom of God, on sin. He convicts the world. He presents the facts, the truth to the world, that the judgment of the Messiah is coming, the judgment of the Lord is coming. And that there is need to be righteous and holy, to separate from moral decay, from sin, wickedness, evil that you see has drenched this world, 
have flooded the earth now, the hearts of men and women. And so, in so doing, when people now are convicted, they receive Christ. They repent and receive Christ. We saw that yesterday. And that when they receive the Messiah, when they receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit moves into them. He now takes residence into their hearts. And in there now, He seals them. He seals them with eternity. He seals them for eternal life, for the kingdom of God. And then after that, He gives, begins to counsel them. So we see here in Galatians chapter 5, 16, it says very beautifully here, that, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful, the desires of the sinful flesh, of the sinful nature. And so that is why, again, I really want to encourage all the churches that I see globally, sometimes on Christian TV, you see them in nudity and what, false prophets, false prophecy, false apostles, you see their deception, you see the way they're teaching, you know, for me it's different, I see them deeper, I, I read, I, I see so much. But you see the big deception. Say, no. You say, live by the Spirit. They need to receive the Holy Spirit that they may now stop gratifying the flesh that lies to you and says, go lie that God spoke to me about this. So a seed of this amount and get what? Buy your miracle what? Eh? God told me that if you sow a $1 seed, they, they say those things. They say that when the Lord they look at the, that the Lord told them whoever pays less money will get less deliverance, whoever pays more money. That, that lie, that is a lie. You will not gratify the flesh. That is the flesh in the church. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, when I move on to verse 25 here, the same Galatians, and he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, it's so powerful because he says he comes to do what he did with Enoch. Hmm? He comes to do what he did with Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. Hmm? He says from verse 24, he says here, Galatians chapter 5, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envy, envying one another. But you see, verse 25 is very powerful. Let us keep in step with the Spirit, meaning He comes to reside in the hearts of the believers. He comes to reside in the church. He comes to remain in the church. He comes to remain in the life of the Christian, that you may walk with Him every day, the way Enoch walked with God and enter heaven. Do you see how the Holy Spirit essentially prepares the church? That is how he prepares the church for entry. He comes to a replica of what happened in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24, when God walked with man until Enoch was no more. He saw eternity. So the Holy Spirit essentially comes so that he may now take those who belong to Christ who have crucified the flesh and the sinful nature with his passions and desires and affections, incinerate those desires, and then build forth a new person, birth forth a new person, the new being that you are when you receive Christ is a spiritual being. It's facilitated by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. And he says in the process, 
then the Holy Spirit walks with a Christian, like we've seen in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, guiding the Christian walk. In Galatians chapter 5, now 25, walking with God, making the church walk with God. As in Genesis 5, 21 to 24, when Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. He was raptured, he was taken, he never saw death. This is a very powerful thing, beloved people. A very powerful moment in the church. When God is now engaging the church on the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit may now be able to prepare the bride in this grand finale, this grand final. If you look at John chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, it says the following. John chapter 14, I beg your pardon. John 14, 16 and 17, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will, again, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So he comes to remain in the church, beloved people. He comes and remains available to the church. And that's why the current apostasy you see in the church is totally uncalled for. The current nudity that you see women are preaching when they are naked uh, they, they, and they don't seem to blush. They have no shame. Eh? Preaching on global TV, other religions are seeing and castigating and then blackmailing the Lord. Hmm? Men are just walking there casually talking lies, you know. This frantic prophesying they're doing in vanity and emptiness without preparing the church, without asserting the need. The, the need for holiness in the church. You think it is totally uncalled for the false prophecy, the lies, the, the, the unguided church. Why? Because he says he came to remain, remain in the life of the church forever. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was sent. The Holy Spirit was sent to the church to remain in the church forever. So it's unbelievable, beloved people, because he says only the world cannot accept him. Unless the church has not accepted him. Otherwise, the church ought to be very prudent and very wise now and walking in righteousness. Because he is available. He came to remain unless the church did not receive him. And he says, he comes to the church. And the church, of course, that is worldly, is not going to accept him because he says the world will not accept him. He was said to the church. Could it be true that the present church that is wallowing in sin, that does not see the need for righteousness, that's abusing the grace and preaching that you don't worry, you don't have to worry about righteousness and holiness. Don't worry, the grace is sufficient. It will just carry you like that. God will be blind. He will turn a blind eye on sin. Huh? That church that is abusing the grace of our Lord Jesus, the church God warned in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, when he says it is therefore impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have seen the powers of the coming age, if they fall back to sin, to be brought back to repentance, that church that was being warned there, could it be that it is because they have not received the Holy Spirit? And that the answer is yes. So the Holy Spirit does tremendous things. I'm discussing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you see the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. Eh? Let me give a summary here. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation, the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2. He was involved in creation, really quick, because we have only nine minutes to finish this, for you to go back to your work desk and your offices, workstations. 
That is the Holy Spirit. So you see that the Holy Spirit in his ministry, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The Holy Spirit of Jehovah was involved in creation. So he is a very important aspect of life on this earth, beloved people. He was involved in creation. That's number one. We've been summarizing now as we check out, apart from preparing the church that we've seen. Uh, number two, that will be Zechariah chapter 4, beloved people. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Let's see what he says here. Then he says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He says, Do not, he says, sorry, not by might, nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord. Meaning, the Holy Spirit comes to empower the church. Apart from being involved in creation, number one, he also has a powerful ministry of, of enabling the church, of equipping the church, of empowering the church, of giving the church authority, of authorizing the church. So the church can now overcome. He authorizes the church that the church may now overcome, beloved people. As we finish very fast before you get to your work desks in your offices, we are looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. And John chapter 16, just a repeat here, a recap. John chapter 16, verse 13. Another ministry and role of the Holy Spirit we just read, but I'm summarizing now. John 16, I'm reading verse 13. It says from verse 12, I have so much, I I have much more to say unto you, more than you can bear. But 13, it says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into truth. Meaning, that is the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. And He will reveal to you things to come. The the Holy Spirit will come and teach the church. His role is to teach and to clean up deception. That is the the teaching and the discipling ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. Number four, beloved people. John chapter 14, verse 26. And he says this, verse 26, as we've seen. He says, John 14, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. So you see that he comes with a teaching ministry. But then here now, apart from the teaching ministry, he's also a Counselor. A Counselor is a mentor, he's a guide. He's a confidant, beloved kid. And when you turn now, to, to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we are finishing right now, beloved people, because you're running to your offices now. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Look at what he says about the ministry of the Holy Spirit here, the role of the Holy Spirit. He says very clearly here, verse 14, uh, 13. For I, for, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if the Spirit... But, but, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Then verse 14 says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Look at that now. He comes to help the weak nature. Hmm? He comes to help the church. 26, verse 26, beloved people, is very powerful. Verse 26 in finishing says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray 
what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning that words cannot express. Look at His role there. He helps the weak church. He strengthens the church. He comforts the church. He helps the church to pray. He prays for the church. And He has a role. He has a ministry of prayer, the ministry of intercession for the church with groaning and grief against sin. He helps the weak church. So nobody can say, no, you see, I'm just weak. I mean, we are weak mortals. We are mere mortals. You have the help of the Holy Spirit at your disposal. He is the comforter. In the book of Isaiah 48, I'm looking at the role of the Holy Spirit, beloved people, as we finish, because uh, I know you're about to step into your offices now. Isaiah 48, verse 16. Isaiah 48, verse 16, as we finish. He says this, Isaiah 48, 16. He says, Come near me and listen. Come near me and listen. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret at the time it happened. I am there. And now the Sovereign Lord has sent me with the Spirit. Look at that now. Guiding the church becomes to give guide. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, said, becomes to guide the church, beloved people. To guide the church, to guide you, to guide you on what not to wear, what not to do, what not to say, what where not to it becomes a constant guide available to the church, a compass unto the church. And in John 16, verse 8, we've also seen very clearly in John 16, 8, that he comes to bring repentance. John 16, uh, John 16, 8, as I finish, beloved people. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe. So he will lead by conviction now to repentance and salvation and move into them and fill them. And Isaiah chapter 59, beloved people, in finishing, I know it's a rush, lunch hour, uh, privilege, opportunity to talk to you before you go back to your hospitals, the nurses, to your law firms, the lawyers, and so forth. This is a blessed opportunity to come to you at lunchtime, the professors, university teachers, and just those of you at home too, you know. So the book of Isaiah 59, verse 19, this is what it says, beloved people. Isaiah 59, 19, as I finish this. It says, again, from the West, okay, 59, 19, it says, from the West, Men will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pen up flood, that the breath of the Lord drives along. Look at that now. Tremendous. You restrain sin. It comes to the church to restrain sin. Look at that Isaiah 59 19. And in the same context, Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 4 to 7, restraining the dominion of darkness, the dominion of the Antichrist. How about the book of Acts, beloved people, and finishing that's the last scripture I read? The book of Acts, chapter 
and it talks we're very clear about the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 13, I'm reading verse 2, Acts chapter 13, because of time we're running, Acts 13, verse 2, and it says the following, look at this now, his role in, in guiding the church, guiding the, the, the operations of the church, again, uh, verse 2, when they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Look at the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelizing, in commissioning the church, the servants of the Lord. And then Acts chapter 8 is also next door. Acts chapter 8 is here, verse 29. You see now the role of the Holy Spirit in the operations of evangelism in the church, in guiding the church, in guiding the operations of the body of Christ, in guiding the church, beloved people. And it says here, the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 29, which I need to get to, this is what it says. Acts 8, 29, here we go. It now says, the Spirit told Philip, Go to the chariots and stay near it. Guiding, direct instruction, direct guidance of evangelism. And leading the servants of the Lord directly. Where to go, what to, how to minister. And it's available today in greater quantity, pleasure, because we are in the latter visitation. The book of Acts 16, verse 7, same thing. So the Holy Spirit, beloved people, comes to church. He was involved in creation, in summary. He comes to authorize and empower the church. He comes to the teaching ministry to teach the truth and cleanse the wickedness. He comes to guide the church and counsel her. He comes as a comforter. He comes to help the weak church, Romans 8, 26, we saw. He comes to convict the world, John 16, we saw. And the Holy Spirit comes to sensitize to sin and restrain sin, Isaiah 59, verse 19. And in Second Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, he restrains the dominion of darkness until now effectively, excellently, and perfectly. And now we've seen in the book of Acts, guiding the church. And earlier on we saw that he's preparing the bride in that way, and in more specific ways, by testifying about Christ Jesus, revealing him to the church, removing deception, and saying he's holy, and guiding the Christian walk in Galatians 5.16, as we saw. Galatians 5.25, we saw walk with the church, walk with God. The church has the opportunity to walk with God. And in John 14, 16, 17, he remains in the church. So he's available. May the Lord bless you, beloved people, as you go back to your workplaces, East African time. And I know there are different other time zones. But this is what I wanted to bring in a shot in a nutshell, that even as you go back to work, you may now think about those things. When you see sin in your office, how have you reacted to it? Have you crucified the desires of the flesh, the affections of sin? That now you are helped, you are immune. Instead, you look at them with pity and you help them. Your holiness, led by the Holy Spirit, will help convict them that they too may find Christ. How have you lived your life in those offices? May the Lord bless you. Shalom.